What's going on, guys? Anthony here. I'm super excited about today's episode. Now, today's a little bit different. I have Paul Walker, founder of Theory Y Consulting, joining the show today and actually taking it over. Um, I was a little bit under the weather for this uh, particular episode date, and so I requested that Paul would just take over the episode, kind of get creative and fun, and, and make some good content. And he definitely did that. He delivered, he killed it, he talked about all things employee experience, and particularly he talked about some self-management, which uh, he's not only an expert in, but I know that he has a strong passion for that area. Now, me personally, you guys know, I don't talk too much about self-management, so I was actually pretty excited about bringing him on the podcast today. So I'm just, uh, I'm super grateful, super passionate, super, uh, just just super grateful that he was able to, to, to take over the podcast and able to teach us a little bit more about self-management and as that pertains to employee experience. So please, guys, I want you to enjoy the episode, pause it, take down some notes, press play again, pause it again, take down some notes and uh, really tell me what you think. So reach out to me, give me a call, give me your email, uh, give me your email, send me your email and uh, let me know what you guys think. But again, Paul Walker, the founder of Theory Y Consulting, definitely did an amazing job. And I know for a fact you guys will enjoy today's episode. Thanks a lot again, Paul. Hello, everyone. This is Paul Walker. I'm taking over the E1B2 podcast today. I'm going to be going over five or six questions to let you know my perspectives based on my own experiences. Hopefully you guys enjoy. What is self-management and employee experience and how are they similar or different? At first, these concepts can sound like a bit of woohoo, the latest organizational trend that everyone's looking to implement, but not a lot of people really understand what they are. Employee experience is just how your employees feel when they're at work. Now, this is a lot more than just, are they okay going into the office? What are the snacks like? And is there a ping pong table? I happen to love ping pong, so I'm always excited when there's a ping pong table at the office. However, if I had to choose between a ping pong table and having autonomy over my work, I'm going to choose the latter every day. When you have a great employee experience, you have more motivated employees, more loyal long-term employees, and employees who are willing to do much more for the organization because they feel the organization is doing much more for them. Self-management, on the other hand, seems a little more complicated at first glance. In most cases when you hear about it, it's the idea of completely removing hierarchy, getting rid of managers, everyone being able to make their own decisions. But every single person knows how to self-manage, and all of us do it in our adult lives outside work all the time. When it comes to work, self-management in its simplest form is just understanding what's expected of you and having the freedom to meet those expectations in whatever way you think is best. On the surface, self-management and employee experience seem like two completely different things. You'll see methods and strategies and systems for achieving one or the other, often in very separate ways. In my experience, I think they are one and the same and always go hand in hand. Improving one always improves the other. Creating a better environment for self-management always creates a better employee experience and vice versa. Having countless conversations with employees from many organizations, I always find that their problems 
almost always tie back to the work itself. If people are bickering with each other or they're angry at their management, it's almost always because the processes are vague or unclear. There's a bit of favoritism because there's too much gray area or leeway in how things work. People are getting in trouble for doing things the wrong way when they didn't know what the right way was, or for not doing things they didn't know they were supposed to do. Improving these things not only creates a more self-managed environment, but it also greatly improves the employee experience. The pros and cons of each. I'll come right out and say that I don't inherently think there are cons to self-management or employee experience. These are concepts that, at least on paper, look like nothing but benefits. When it comes to self-management, employees having more autonomy and trust, being able to innovate more, taking more responsibility and more authority for their work should only be a good thing. Of course, that's assuming it's implemented perfectly and everything goes well. Similar to employee experience. In many cases, it seems like the only con to employees being happier and loving their jobs is feeling like you need to dish out a ton of money to pay for perks and benefits that everyone needs to feel like they love their jobs. That's not really the case. When it comes to self-management, think about so many businesses that you might call if you need a refund on something. Maybe you call in, have to wait on hold to talk to somebody, finally get in touch with them, they don't have the authority to do what you need them to do, so they have to transfer you to somebody else. You talk to them for a while, they might have to transfer you to somebody else. Finally, the third person says, oh, yeah, I can take care of that. I just have to get approval from my manager. They put you on hold, they go take care of it. Eventually, you come back. It's a terrible experience for you. It's a terrible experience for all of those employees because they all want to be able to help you, but they can't because of the processes or systems or bureaucracy in place at their organization. Ultimately, think about how much time you spend on that phone, and that's costing that company money, not only for the phone call, but to staff all the employees, all the extra time that's taken to pass you from one person to the next. Removing these steps wouldn't actually cost the company any money. Rather, it would save them a tremendous amount of money and greatly improve the customer experience and the employee experience along the way. The only drawback is that it takes conscious effort and upfront time to resolve these issues and get these steps taken care of. The other argument that I always hear is regarding the change itself. There's a lot of risks, a lot of things that could go very, very wrong. Trying to improve your employee experience or create a self-managed organization could have the exact opposite effect and make everything worse if it's not done right. But that actually brings us to our next conversation. How a change is implemented is more important and more impactful than the change itself. I've seen a lot of changes in my time, from different types of organizational changes for different reasons, across different sizes of organizations, or different parts of the company. And one thing has always been true. Regardless of what is actually being changed, the only thing that has an impact is how that change is rolled out throughout the company. I have seen extremely beneficial changes, such as implementing self-management throughout an entire company, cause nothing but problems and have catastrophic results for the company itself, 
all because there was no communication. There wasn't a good explanation as to what was changing or why. There wasn't a lot of vigilance from the top to make sure that these things were being implemented correctly throughout the organization. On the other hand, I've also seen arguably terrible and pointless changes that I was sure would go nowhere actually be implemented perfectly fine and cause no problems because they were implemented properly. There was a lot of communication. It was done very simply. People knew exactly what was being done and how it transitioned from their previous jobs to what they were doing now. Without fail, time and time again, the only thing that determines how successful a change is going to be is how well it is implemented. How to make organizational change convenient. With any sort of change, but especially organizational changes, there's always a lot of conversation about how difficult it is. Inherently what a long, stressful, challenging process it can be to do these changes. You even hear this specifically for a lot of particular methods that are out there. They will market themselves as saying, hey, this method can change and fix so many things, but it's going to be difficult, it's going to be challenging. I personally disagree with that. While I do think change is inherently difficult and people are naturally resistant to change, I think there's a much better way to go about it, and that is to make it convenient. With so many changes out there, both in work and in personal lives, there are times people want to improve and do things that have nothing but benefits, but it's simply inconvenient, and so we don't. I know many people who would love to go vegetarian or vegan, but there are no places nearby that they can get the food easily. So can they still technically make this change? Absolutely. However, they don't because they'd have to go out of their way, they'd have to put a lot more effort into figuring out their diet, they'd have to spend more money getting different ingredients. Whereas if a fast food place opens up next door that has vegan items on their dollar menu, that person can now eat vegan quickly, efficiently, and cheaply. In this case, you won't have to spend months and months trying to convince them the benefits of doing this and why they should push through all the struggles to do it anyway. With this place right next door, they can now do it on their own accord because it's convenient. The same goes for implementing large changes in an organization, such as self-management or better employee experience. Initially, you might look at this and think, how difficult it must be because there are so many moving parts and so many things you are going to have to change. And if it feels that way, it's going to be difficult for business leaders to implement the change and it's going to be difficult for employees to be part of that change. So instead you want to figure out how to make it convenient. Break your change down into small enough parts that you can easily do it with little risk, easy way to undo it, go back, or change it if you find that it's not working. How do you offer things in a way that feels optional for people rather than forcing them to do this change regardless of how they feel about it? 
How can you make it easier for them to transition to this new process rather than completely upending everything they've known for an entirely new system? For example, there are self-management methods out there that will change every aspect of your organization. And for that reason, there's a lot of hesitance for people to initially get into that. There's so many risks, so much they'd have to do. There's a lot of benefits if it goes well, but there's so much room for error and so many things you have to figure out to make sure it's done correctly. So rather than implementing a system all at once that's going to change everything, look at all the individual parts of that. Maybe one piece of this method is a more convenient way to have meetings. So maybe instead of the whole system, you start by just implementing a new meeting structure. However, maybe even implementing a whole new way of meeting is still too much for people to want to do on top of having to get their work done. So maybe break the meeting down as well. How about instead of a complete change to our meeting structure, we just have one person in there to facilitate. And maybe their only job while they're learning is just to call people out when they're interrupted. Now, instead of an entirely new system with facilitators using a certain language and a certain process, there's one person doing something that's easy that everyone knows how to do. And that one little thing, if it actually is beneficial, will have a tangible benefit that people will see. Once that's done well, you implement the next piece and then the next piece. In this way, it's no longer a gigantic, daunting change with a lot of risks, but it's convenient. It's one easy step very little can go wrong. It doesn't take a lot of time, stress, or energy. By making changes convenient, it's easier for management and HR and executives because they no longer have to put as much effort and stress into trying to convince everyone to do things the right way and figuring out the perfect plan. It's just easier all around. And for employees, it's a much better experience because instead of them being forced to change everything they've ever known, maybe fighting with their management along the way, it's a very simple, subtle, and easy new change that hopefully they can see the benefits of immediately. One question I receive often is how leadership should handle someone who has a hard time understanding the change that needs to be made. And should leaders listen to the overall perspective, or should they just expect employees to fall in line with everyone else? My opinion, based on my own experience trying to implement these changes, is you always want to get everyone on board on their own terms at their own pace. Yes, it does require a lot more upfront work, a lot more time spent with every single individual. It can be a lot to put on the plate of any leader and certainly isn't easy. For that reason, there's usually a lot of hesitance to do it this way. Unfortunately, it's the only way I've ever seen work when you look at the long-term success of your team and your organization. If you spend one-on-one -on -one time with every individual, making sure they understand, making sure they know how to transition through this new change, supporting and guiding them in the way that every individual needs something a little bit different, you not only help make sure that they get the change and they can still work efficiently in this new environment, but you create a better employee experience. 
you will build more trust with that person. They will be able to rely on you more. You'll be able to rely on them more. Whereas the other route of just implementing a change and hoping they get it can create resentment and distrust and misunderstandings and can make employees far less efficient. So while spending more time with everyone to make sure they get it takes far, far more time and energy, it's the only way I've seen that things will work in the long run. Another question that I see come up often regarding changes is how transparent should you be? Should leaders reveal every little bit of information about the change along the way, or what should you keep quiet to make sure that things still run smoothly? I'll start by saying that I absolutely understand there will be different situations. Every organization, every circumstance will be a little bit different, and there may be times that it might be best to keep certain things under wraps. However, I disagree with this approach in most circumstances. I think transparency should be one of your top priorities, and I've seen changes be far more effective when leaders are transparent. During my career, throughout all the surveys, one-on-one chats, and focus groups that I've had with other people, there's a consistent theme that every person I've talked to shares the same message. They just want to be kept in the loop and know what's going on. There have been many people that have openly said, if they have bad news, if the company is doing poorly, if we're about to go under, if there need to be layoffs, I will be much happier and much more understanding if I know this and I understand why it's happening and I'm prepared for it. If they spring it on us and try to come up with some reason as to why, we're not going to believe them. We're not going to trust the leadership. Or if they don't tell us anything at all, what we say in our own heads and and the rumors we think it is, is always going to be worse than the truth. So on that note, I always think transparency is best. Not only because it helps build trust and understanding throughout the organization, it helps everyone feel like they're part of the process and they're being kept in the loop, but it also helps leaders do a much better job of implementing change. If you have to send out an email or go out on stage to tell everyone what this change is and why, you'll probably think things through a few more times if you have to hear yourself or you have to read your own words. If it doesn't make sense or it seems insane when you're reading it, then it probably is. And you maybe need to take a little more time to think things through, figure it out a little bit better, and either approach it in a simpler way or maybe even update the change so the entire process itself is simpler than what you had initially planned. Now, the last question I had for today is whether or not leaders should expect their team to go above and beyond. And if so, why? And how does that impact a culture? And if they don't, uh, what should happen? What should be done to them? Now, going above and beyond is one of those things that sounds great and we want everyone to do, but I've never seen an expectation of going above and beyond turn out well. I am a big proponent of having clear and explicit job expectations. 
going above and beyond is one of those expectations I've seen, especially when it comes to culture and core values, and is usually weaponized and held against people and has a lot of negative effects. I often see situations where an employee has a job expectation of meeting a 30% gross margin. Yet when they hit that 30%, they get written up for doing the bare minimum and not striving to be better. What really happened is that this employee was written up for doing exactly what their job was. Now, if every time I hit 30%, I'm celebrated, and anytime I hit above 30%, I'm celebrated and recognized even more, that will encourage me to want to do better and better and better. Whereas if I know that I can get in trouble for not going above and beyond, I'll just be living in a constant state of fear and uncertainty because I don't know where the line is between doing a good job and not doing enough. For that reason, I think things that sound great, such as going above and beyond, shouldn't be an expectation. Rather, it should serve as a reminder for leadership within the company to celebrate the employees who are going above and beyond, who are doing more than what their expectations are and delivering far more to the company than even what you need from them. That was all the questions that I had for today, but I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen to me, and I look forward to the opportunity to speak with you again. You can find me and see more about what I do at theorywhy.co.